In this podcast, I'm going to share several examples. Sometimes I knew immediately it was God speaking to me, bringing a thought to my mind. And other times, I didn't recognize it was God. I just thought it was my idea. The first example I'm going to give you is I was a new Christian when this happened, 1975. I owned a business at that time, and a young woman, I'd say 20-year-old woman, came into my shop and bought a book. My business was American Indian Arts, but we had a book that we sold on the subject of turquoise, and I think it cost $15. She kept the book for maybe a month, and then one day she brought the book back in wanting a refund. I happened to wait on her, and I said, we don't give refunds on books. We're offering this book for your benefit if you wish to buy it. But we're not a library. We're a business selling Indian jewelry. And she refused to leave the shop. I picked up the phone to call the police. That's what I should have done. I had the phone receiver in my hand to call the police. And then she spoke and said, go ahead, call the police. And I put the phone down. I should have called the police. Somehow, we got into an argument. And I foolishly put my hand on her arm to eject her from my shop. She was very strong and pushed me all the way to the back of the shop. A woman who worked for me witnessed the situation. About a month later, a man came to my shop and said he was deputy sheriff and a warrant had been filed against me by a woman saying that I had put my hands on her and tried to eject her from my business. And she had gone to the police and filed a complaint against me. And he had come to notify me. I was terribly shocked. I went to a young man who was a customer of mine And he had just become a lawyer and talked to him about the situation. He said, well, what has happened is she filed a criminal complaint against you. You will have to appear in court. But he said, I do want to tell you the worst thing that can happen to you is a $200 fine. But unfortunately, if you're found guilty, it can be on your record as a criminal 
conviction. Well, I was just horrified. It was a foolish mistake on my part. I don't even know how it could have happened. We had to go to court. I heard a word which I believed was from God. I don't know how, as a new Christian, I could have believed this so strongly. But God evidently caused me to just believe that what I heard was from him. And what I heard was, don't testify. So I called my attorney and I said, you may not want to represent me in this case, and I will understand if you don't represent me. But I am a Christian, and I believe God has told me not to testify in this court situation. He said, oh, no, we'll represent you even if you don't testify. He said, Flo was a very good witness. Flo worked for me at that time and had witnessed the whole situation. She was a highly respected person in the University Park, Highland Park area of Dallas. She had taught for 30 years at Highland Park High School. She was in her 70s and was working for me after she retired from Highland Park High School. Her reputation was impeccable in the sight of human beings. I went to Flo and I said, Flo, I believe I have heard from God that I must not testify. She became furious with me. She said, well, now the whole burden is upon me. I said, well, I'm terribly sorry, but I believe God has told me don't testify. She was not appeased and continued to be upset with me. At that time, I was dating a man from Ravel Publishing Company, book publishing. And Bob, when he found out I wasn't going to testify, he said, you're not doing this girl any good by not testifying. And I said, I'm not trying to do any good for this girl. I'm trying to follow what I believe is an instruction from God, and it is don't testify. He was not satisfied at all. We went to court, and the first day of the court trial, the judge was looking through papers, and when he got to one part of the paper, it said that I was not going to testify, and he was shocked. He just quit what he was doing and looked directly at me and said, you're not testifying? And I indicated to him, no, I was not. The court case began, and the judge was trying the case. It was such a low 
level case, we as the defendant had the opportunity to choose between having a jury, in that case, of six men and and women, because it was such a low-level case. Or we could have the judge try the case. I knew nothing, and so my lawyer advised me to have the judge try the case instead of having a jury trial. And I agreed to do this. So this judge was also to be the jury. The case began, and something in the girl's testimony went wrong. And I remember that it was very wrong and received as being wrong. My lawyer came to me and said, Flo's testimony, she was the woman who worked for me and witnessed the situation, Flo's testimony isn't as strong as I thought it would be. But if you will testify, I know we'll win this case. We were at the courthouse at the time this happened. I said, well, I'll see, and I left the courtroom, went in the ladies' room and said to God, what do you want me to do? And I heard, don't testify. I didn't hear an audible voice of God. It was just spoken to my mind, don't testify. So I went back into the courtroom. My lawyer looked at me as I came through the door, and I shook my head, no. So the matter was basically settled. I would not be testifying. The judge ordered us to present a bill of sale. It was a Friday, so... The case was extended till Monday. We went back to my shop. The women who worked for me, there were three of them, and one of their husbands was with us, and Bob was there, that man I was dating. And I was such a nervous wreck. Bob told me to return to my apartment, and they would hunt the bill of sale. I really had no concept at all that they would find a bill of sale. I was very good at selecting merchandise and very bad at writing up bill of sale, especially on a $15 item. But they did find a bill of sale. And I said, where did you find it? And they said, well, it was stuffed into a piece of black pottery. I just couldn't believe I'd done that, and I couldn't believe that they actually found it. On Monday, we presented the bill of sale to the judge. He looked at it and said, case dismissed, and it acquitted me of being guilty. Even today, 40 years later, I looked back at what happened, 
and I just can't understand how I was so sure that was the voice of God. Ideas can come to our mind by our own thinking. And I think most of the time we think that's just my thought, if we think at all. Or ideas can come by devils who want to harm us and take us in a way opposite to the way of God. Or ideas can come directly to our mind, sent by God to us, by His Spirit, to tell us what to do. I'm sure most of us have had all three forms. Ideas from our own desires, ideas from devils, ideas from God. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I think that is true. But we also can get confused, mixed up. We think it's our thought, and we don't even think about it coming from God. Or, in this case, I knew it was God. And I don't have any way to pinpoint how I could have known that was the voice of God. Everybody on my own side was against me. That was a big shock. I was a brand new Christian, maybe one month. I didn't have any idea about following God at that time. I didn't have any idea about evaluating to see if what you have heard is from God. I just knew it was God. During the years, God taught me how to know when the ideas are from God. And he began with Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. God's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I knew that the world had this backward. They take pride in doing difficult things to show themselves to be special. But when the idea is from God, it is easy to be entreated, easy to be administered. Usually, it is not overly costly. And I don't believe God would give you an idea which would cause you to take on debt. I could be wrong about that. Perhaps he would. But it never happened with me that I know of that God gave me an idea to do something that would be very costly, that I would have to borrow money to pay for it. 
So it being easy to do, not complicated, is an important way to recognize if this idea is from God or if you are working with the right person on a project. When I moved to Colorado in 2019, I brought my sound equipment with me to set up my television to home theater. I couldn't set that up myself, but I would have to hire someone to set it up. I found a man in Denver. We live in Colorado Springs. That's about 60 miles from Denver. He said he would be pleased to come and set up the unit for me. And he told me of the different types of things he had done in setting up home theater. And they were very complicated situations, very difficult. With me, after learning that I have special hearing needs, I can hear so well, it has to be done a certain way. He said he would recommend putting in two units at my room, one for home theater and the other for CDs. It all got so complicated I didn't feel I was working with the right person. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. In another scripture, we read how to recognize and evaluate if the idea is from God. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Sometimes you'll be tempted to enter into something that isn't exactly true isn't exactly how you really feel. When you have that happen, it is not wisdom from God. For the wisdom from God is without hypocrisy. You can look at this list and evaluate yourself. And there may be times you have gone another way. And then you came to see this wasn't the best way to go. This tells you how to evaluate the thoughts that God sends us. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. I recommend that you take just an ordinary dictionary and look up keywords, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, 
easy, the word easy. Uh, look up the word hypocrisy, partiality. Look up the key words in this scripture. I've done that so many times, and often one of those definitions, God uses it to sort of illuminate the situation and help you to really understand. I find that if it is complicated, difficult to do, it's usually not of God. If it's overly expensive, it's usually not of God. Now, it may be different if you have the money sitting there and you consider it to be overly expensive. It might be of God. And I have an example I'm going to give you on that. At 86 years old, I have broken several bones in my body from just falls. And my left hip has been operated on twice. When they operated on the left hip the first time, the bone splintered all the way from my hip down to my knee, and they had to put a titanium rod in there so I would be able to walk again. And that caused a great deal of trouble, and still does. And I have broken bones in the night by getting up, and I was trying to get to my medicine cabinet in the bathroom to take something for a sore throat. I, this was a terrible fall. I fell in the hallway on tile, and I knew I had injured myself badly. I couldn't move at all. I was lying on the floor. I eventually managed to roll onto the good hip. The other hip had been operated on, and I knew it was broken on that fall. I tried to crawl from the hallway to the telephone, which was beside my bed, about eight feet away from where I was lying. But just to move an inch was so excruciating, I couldn't even do that. There was no one at my house, and no one scheduled to be at my house until the following Monday. I was lying helpless on a tile floor. I knew if I didn't manage to get to a phone, I might die. I think I was about 81 at that time. I started inching my way to the phone, and I heard a word from God that changed everything. I knew it was God. What I heard was, you can do this. That word caused me to keep trying, and four and a half hours later, I reached the phone. When the ambulance worker rolled me past the front door of my house, I heard another word from God, and I knew it was from God. 
you'll never see this house again. So from the hospital, I put the house up for sale. One of our church members said, I don't see how you can do this. And I said, but I've heard from God, you'll never see this house again. The word gave me the power to do what I did. Because of the word, in both situations that I've shared with you, I knew I'd heard from God. And because I had the word of God, I could follow the instructions. The word is that way. It's so powerful. It enables us to do things we ordinarily couldn't do. And sometimes we're just so sure that we've heard from God that there is no questioning. There's a scripture in Proverbs 21 at the end of the chapter. And it says, there is no counsel against the word of God. It doesn't matter if another human says, I don't understand how you could do this. When you know it's the word of God, there is no wisdom or counsel against that instruction. You simply do it. But it's not always that clear that it's the word of God. Sometimes we don't even consider that that idea might have been from God. We just think it's our own idea. Another example. I have had so many broken bones in my body that it's very difficult for me to ride in a car unless that car has a type of suspension system that enables it to run more smoothly. In the year 2020, I had sold my house in Texas, taken the money, put it in the bank. I was going to be living in Colorado Springs at the home of Pam Paget. So basically, I had all of the money from the house, sale of the house, just sitting in the bank. I was looking at my old car, which I had driven for 25 years, and I was thinking, well, maybe I'll put new seat covers on the front seats that will make it a little bit softer. When I heard a word from God that I knew was from God, here is what I heard. Or you could just buy a new car. I had never thought of that. And I thought about it. I had all the money from the Texas house in the bank. Yes, I could buy a new car. I didn't have any debt. So I had plenty of money to pay for a new car. And that might be the better way to go. 
That night, I had a confirmation through a dream. In the dream, I had bought a new car. It was a Buick. And in the dream, I thought I didn't ask my dad which car to buy. My dad was a wonderful mechanic. He really knew motors. And I didn't ask him. Of course, my dad was dead by that time. It was basically showing me, get the wisdom from God on which car to buy. And I just didn't understand the dream properly at that time. I didn't seriously pray over which car to buy. We just went out and drove cars. Pam had an Acura MDX, which she had chosen because she liked the way it drove on the ice and snow. She was doing a lot of skiing at that time, and it handled so well in weather situations. She had two very big dogs, and they could ride in the back in SUV. I had a Lincoln Town Car, 25-year-old Lincoln Town Car, just the opposite from an SUV. I really wanted Pam to have the car she wanted. I wanted the dogs to have a place to ride. We drove cars and bought an Acura SUV. The problem was, it was, from my viewpoint, I was in my 80s, and it was not a smooth riding car. I would look at the other cars as they came down the highway and think, I wonder if that one would be smoother. I wonder if that one, and this went on three and a half years. Finally, one day Pam got into the car to go someplace, take the dogs someplace. And she realized she didn't even like to ride in the SUV. She didn't like that car and didn't like to drive it. So she said to God, I realize I don't like this car, but what can we do? A couple of weeks later, I said to Pam, I feel like we might put the, the car up for sale and find another car. We might first go and see if we can find a car that has air suspension and that rides better. Because I'd gotten to the point that I most of the time wouldn't even go out of the house because of the uncomfortableness of riding in the car. We did go and look for another car. We drove all the kinds of cars that used to have really good riding because the main goal was to find a car that I could ride in. We started with Cadillacs because they used to be really good. That was the, one of the best features of a Cadillac. 
and it was very mediocre. We tried a Lincoln, and it was very mediocre. Because of my dream in 2020, where I had bought a Buick, we went to the Buick, and they said they didn't have any air suspension Buicks. So we didn't even ride in anything. We went to Lexus. I can't remember what other cars we rode in. Well, one was a BMW, and it was $137,000. And it had air suspension, but it was not at all satisfactory to what I needed. Back to the year 2020, when we bought the Acura, we were test driving it. Now, I don't drive, but Pam pulled out of the Acura lot. Directly across the street was the Mercedes building. I heard these words. You should drive a Mercedes. I thought it meant a test drive in a Mercedes. That is not what it meant. (laughs) God was telling me the brand of car that I needed to drive. Turned out the second time that we were looking for a car, we did drive a Mercedes. The E-Class Mercedes was just about as rough riding as all the other cars we had driven. The salesman said, you're going to have to drive an S-Class. He brought the S-Class around. We started out. It had air suspension on it. It was wonderful. It was like the old cars used to be in the United States in the 1960s. It just floated along the road. And that was exactly what I needed. It was $120,000. Of course, we were very shocked. But I had the money. I had more than that. I had two CDs in the bank from the sale of that house in Texas. One of them was 110000 The other was 132000 And I had some money in my own bank account, cash, from, strangely enough, excess money from Social Security checks. I don't have any retirement benefits. I don't have any salary. I have an $800 a month Social Security. But I don't have any expenses either. Pam didn't even want to take any money for me to live at her house. So I just don't have any expenses except for food. I realized I could buy that Mercedes and pay for it from one of the CDs from the sale of the house in Texas. But I didn't want to. See, we might be able to do something, but we don't want to do it because we'd have to spend our money. 
Now, not all of it. I would not willingly do that. I pray I never have to do that. I don't think I will, because God will not give us more than we can bear. And I don't think I could bear that. God gave me two scriptures to show me what to do in this situation. For nothing, we drove, came close to that S-Class Mercedes. Absolutely nothing. Even the BMW, which was more expensive than the Mercedes. God gave me two scriptures. Psalm 84, verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. And the second scripture he gave me was in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He called this to my mind. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You can't hold on to those CDs in the bank. You need this now. Don't be afraid to spend it when the need is there. Now, I'm going to interpret what I believe this verse means. Charge them that are rich in this world. Charge them who have saved money and have money in a savings account. That they be not high-minded, arrogant, and trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I realized I had the approval from God to buy that car. And I did buy that car, and it's been wonderful. We've had it since November 6th, and I've gone out many times in the car And unknown to us, the car has heated seats and a massage built in to the lumbar section of your back and the cushion. We didn't even know it when we bought the car. It's just exactly what I needed. And then I remembered that many, many years ago, I could see that American cars were changing and they were getting rougher riding and unpleasant to me. And I had prayed at that time, oh, that would be back in the 80s at least. I had prayed that God would have someone build a car for me at the time that I needed the car. I hadn't even remembered that I prayed that. 
And here I have a word that I now know was from God saying, you should drive a Mercedes, telling me the kind of car to drive. But I didn't get the message right as far as the interpretation. So we can hear from God and fail to recognize what God is saying and what he is meaning by the word that he gives us. But the good news is this. He eventually worked it out. So three and a half years later, I got the car that I needed. And then also, my car sold immediately. Mercedes offered to buy it, and Lincoln offered to buy it. But Lincoln offered $1,000 more, so I sold it to Lincoln. An individual later came along and wanted to possibly buy my car, but I'd already sold it. And the individual would have paid more. But then, see, the money is not the issue. The issue is living in peace. Being able to live in peace. Of course, the Mercedes dealer came down on the price and it ended up costing 117000 but I had two CDs over 100000 from the sale of the house in Texas and no debt. So it was easy to be entreated. It wasn't easy psychologically, but it was easy in reality. Well, these are some things about following God, and I hope they have been helpful to you today. Thank you for allowing me to share with you.